And welcome to Old Welcome to another broadcast night on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard this inspirational flight with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, Mr. Man of Purpose himself, your host, J.R. Dicklin.
that is galvanizing to take a stand against domestic violence, to take a stand against abuse, to take a stand against the pain and the hurt that comes as a result of domestic violence. So tonight, I want to bring you into this conversation. We've talked about and we continue to talk about the impact of what we see with domestic violence and that it it affects everyone. Sure it does. It crosses every social, economic, and ethnic line. Sure it does. But we also understand that when we don't know, what we don't know does hurt us. When domestic violence is disproportionately affecting one group uh, more so than another, it is time that we address it with specific information and that we address it not just to be the Pied Piper, but we address it with the with the goal in mind to bring hope and healing. Somebody you're listening today, and perhaps you are a survivor of domestic violence. Perhaps you know a family member, a loved one, a girlfriend, a coworker uh, 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 that may be a victim of domestic violence and may be going through right now. You are the bridge to their healing. You are the bridge uh, to their wholeness, and you've got to take that part serious. You know, there's a scripture in, 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 in the Bible in Genesis that talks about, am I my brother's keeper? You know, that's a powerful question. Am I my brother's keeper? The real question today is to answer, are we our brother's keeper? And for your sisters that are listening, that oftentimes you're very deeply vested in sisterhood, are you your sister's keeper? I want you to answer that tonight because that's what we must all answer. Are we our brother's keeper? Are we our sister's keeper? And if we are, then we've got to be serious about what we're doing to make a difference inside of domestic violence. It is not an option anymore. We have to stand up as a people, as a society, and say, listen, we will not tolerate domestic violence. We're not going to tolerate it happening. We cannot, we cannot condone it. We cannot allow it to hide up under the rug. We have to address it, and we have to address it from the, from the pulpit to the back door, from the White House to the steakhouse to the outhouse to the church house. We've got to be able to address this issue of domestic violence. So as you're listening tonight, hope and healing, a journey to wholeness, I want you to know that we have a fundamental responsibility to not only lift this issue but to raise it. Here's the danger of domestic violence, and I want you to tune into this. Here's one of the great dangers of domestic violence. The often danger in domestic violence that so many times is perpetrated in a sense of a cloak of silence and a cloak of secrecy. That when the abuser threatens the victim and says, you better not tell anybody. You better not open your mouth and say anything because if you do, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to hurt you worse. And so, therefore, the victim is silent in many cases, and as a result of the victim being silent, then what happens? Then the cloak of secrecy is there. And so it allows oftentimes for a perpetrator to live what we call a double life. In other words, they look like the outstanding, upstanding guy uh, in front of everyone else, but the reality is, is that they're tormenting and they're torturing uh, not only their victim, but oftentimes the children that are seeing this. We have a responsibility as a community. We have a responsibility as a people. We have a responsibility to do something about this. It won't go away until we stand up and do something about it. It will not just vanish because we don't talk about it. One of the greatest things that I will remember that has been said not only by Dr. King but have been said by many others that is echo is that since evil prevails when good people remain silent. Evil prevails. So listen, if you know of someone who's experiencing domestic violence, 
If you know someone who is fearful of their lives, if you know someone who is going through right now, the thing for you to do is not just to remain silent and to snicker and to talk about it. It's about how do I help? Do I know the resources that are out there that's going to help in combating this problem? Do I know where to point them? What can I do right now in and of my own strength to help that victim, or to help that victim and her children in many cases? How can I help them uh, find a place of safety? How can I offer a lending hand? Because it is happening. The one thing that we have to accomplish is this. We have to stop being in denial because being in denial will not cause the abuse to go away. Being in denial will not bring healing to those that are hurting. And you've got to understand, the healing that is needed is so great. The healing that is needed, it is needed across the board, and we've got to be willing to address those needs. And we've got to be willing to stand up and make it happen. You're listening to Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I am your host, J.R. Ficklin, and you're listening to hear us here on the Soul of America Radio. And if you're listening by the Internet, we're so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, definitely feel free there. If you'd like to uh, not only send or uh, email us a question or a thing, please do so. But also I want to say to you that are listening by way of telephone, uh, by way of the number that you've dialed, area code, that is area code 323. You've dialed that number tonight, uh, 784-9638. You are there. If you'd like to have a comment, a question, please hit the number one on your keypad. That'll let our engineer know that you want to have a question or comment, and we invite you inside of this conversation because what we're talking about now is how do we galvanize an effort it doesn't take a whole lot of people to complain. We understand that there's a serious problems with domestic violence. There are prevalence of problems, and there's issues that can that goes from political issues to social issues to cultural issues to spiritual issues to financial issues. All of those things are, are there. But until we as a people collectively say enough is enough, we just can't wait on the victim to say enough is enough. Because if we look at it in its real purest term. Each of us are becoming partakers of that victimization because as the victim is terrorized, as the victim is living in this tight fear, not being able to have a full expression of who they were created to be, it impacts each and every one of us around. So tonight I want to challenge you tonight, those of you that are listening tonight, about what can we do to combat domestic violence. Sure we can. We can raise the we can raise the bar and raise the awareness. We can sound the alarm. We can begin to make sure other people know what domestic violence looks like. And maybe that's where we should start tonight. Sometimes the most amazing things to people is the fact that there are people that are victims of domestic violence who do not identify as being victims. So let's go through some things. Let's talk about some things tonight that might help us to clarify whether or not a person is being a victim of domestic violence or not. Let's go through some signs. Let's look at some of the things that are there. Are you being put down by your partner? Are they degrading you? Are they threatening you? Are they calling your names to diminish who you are? Are they saying things like, if I can't have you, no one else can? Are they purposely isolating you from family and friends and, and from people that love you? Are they controlling what you wear, what you drink, where you go, when you go, how you go? Are they individuals who have basically made you feel that you don't matter, your opinion doesn't count? Are you living in a situation where you're dealing with someone who's constantly not only putting you down but are calling your names, who controls your every action? 
that sounds familiar. I want you to know that you're not in a healthy relationship that is actually an abusive one. I want you to know, are you in a situation where a person is always threatening to hurt you, to kill you, hitting you? Even when they get upset, they throw you against the wall. And even if they don't touch you, perhaps they're punching the wall. And they're saying, I'm relieving stress. But what it's doing is intimidating you. Then I say to you that you are a victim of abuse. And I say to you that you don't have to remain in it. There is help. There is help. You can reach out to help. And I want to give you some resources here in just a little bit about help that's going to help you regardless of where you are in the country. There is some help for you if you like to be a, if you like to get help. There is help. But what I want to do tonight, I want to galvanize you that are listening all across the country. I want you to think about what is it that I can do to help combat domestic violence? What is it that I can do? What is it that I can say? What is it that I can, what is it that I can uh, bring to the table in being able to eradicate domestic violence? And that's a question that you have to look seriously at because, in fact, domestic violence is an equal opportunity to store. No one is safe with domestic violence. No one is safe. Everyone is a potential victim, and everyone loses when it comes to domestic violence. So what I want to say to you is this. You've got to understand that domestic violence doesn't stop at the bedroom. Domestic violence comes to work. Domestic violence comes to public places. Domestic violence occurs in all those uh, individual places. And I want you to hear something that is extremely important. I want to talk a little bit about a fact sheet here about intimate partner violence in the African-American community. Did you know that in a national representative survey uh, conducted back in even 1996, 29% of African-American women and 12% of African-American men reported at least one instance of violence from their intimate partners? Did you understand that African-American account for a disproportionate number of intimate partner homicides? In 2005, African-American accounted for almost a third of the intimate partner homicides in this country. Black women, who comprise about 8% of the United States population, but in 2005 accounted for 22% of the intimate partner homicide violence and 29% of all female victims of intimate partner violence. I'm saying to you today that we have an epidemic. We have a problem that's happening. And who is it happening to? And who is it happening at the hands of? What makes domestic violence such a terrible and such an atrocity is because it is the ultimate of intimate betrayal. It's the ultimate of that. You know, the person that you broke bread with, the person who swore to love you, the person who said they cared, and now they are abusing you, and that is what makes this a real issue here. And I want you to know that it doesn't just start when a person gets grown. You understand one of the gravest periods of violence in the life of a woman is between the ages of 15 and 44. The gravest period, meaning the fact that there's more domestic violence perpetrated during that time in that age group than at any other time. If you look at how specific that is, between the ages of 15 and 44, we're talking about teenage years, still formative years of developing to a woman, and we're talking about through 44, meaning those years of not only uh, development, but those years of production, those years that are supposed to be years of happy, becoming mother, becoming career woman, becoming all of those things, and oftentimes that can be some of the most horrifying time that is there. We've had guests on in the past week that talk about their horrifying experiences, and that domestic violence does not 
uh, necessarily discriminate at all. As a matter of fact, domestic violence affects those that are educated, uneducated, those that are rich and poor, those that are live on the left side and the uh, right side of the track. It just does not discriminate. But what, the real question now is what do we do? What do we do now to lift our voices to fight and to stand against domestic violence? That is the question tonight that we want to answer. That is the question where we really want your input in it. Area code 323-784-9638. Area code 323-784-9638. That's the number uh, that you can call in and listen to us. And that's the number if you're even on the Internet right now, if you'd like to have a question or comment, to call in. And please call in, and we hit the number one, and we will acknowledge you there. I want to go back uh, as we're waiting on your calls and answer just before I break. I want to share something with you, and this is a story that happened a few years ago here, and I want to read just a little clipping of the story here. This here happened, like I said, this here's a story from 2009 that was very interesting, and I bring it up because of the fact this happens, and oftentimes people are totally stunned when they hear about what took place. Here's what happens. Florida mom slain with her five children endured abuse. Here's a story about a Florida woman who was slain alone with her five children, endured regular abuse from her husband, but seemed overwhelmed by trying to raise the kids herself uh, and wanted him around as a father figure. Now, Department of Children and Families deal with these type cases all the time. Now, the police, this particular individual, flee to Haiti, uh, but he was detained. He was wanted for questioning the slaying of his wife and the couple's three boys and two girls, and this happened in Naples, Florida. The thing that's important about this is that the Collier County Sheriff's Department uh, called this individual the man a, a person of interest. And the thing that was really important to this story when we read about it and when it happened, I remember this here, is the fact that when you interview neighbors, when you talk to folks that are around, they said things like, I had no idea that this was happening. Oh, my God, they seem like such a nice couple. Oh, they are such good people. I can't believe this is happening. I thought that they were a loving family. And too often we hear that, too often that occurs, and yet and still people remain clueless, mainly because people do not understand not only uh, the signs of domestic violence, but many times people do not know their neighbors or they have not had that communication or uh, the individual have tried to hide uh, the the violence and abuse from everyone else. In this case here, here's a father who not only, a father and a husband, who killed his wife and, did you hear me, five children. Five children that range from age from 11 months to 9 years old. And to the naked eye to other people, uh, even a DCF worker, uh, <laughs> you know, they seem to be healthy and safe. The observation was everyone looks like they're doing fine. Everyone was great. People were smiling. There was no uh, sense of a safety concern. Children were doing fine. But it was interesting because most time with victims, there's someone who is out there speaking. There's someone who is uh, they are sharing their story with. And when they share that story, the most important thing is to believe them. I want to say that again to you. The most important thing is to believe the victim. Because if you believe the victim, then inside of believing the victim, then it gives them a source, it gives them a lifeline, and it gives them a place to look forward to being able to get help. 
I see we have a couple of callers. You're on the air. Right after this commercial break here, we'll get back and we'll take your calls on the air. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so glad that you joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio. And we'll be right back on the other side of the break. We'll be taking your calls. Thank you for listening tonight. Hope and Healing. On the Soul of America Radio, go to soulofamericaradio.com for more information. Hello, this is Tony Starling, founder and CEO of the Soul of America Radio. I wanted to take this time to thank you for your patience as we went through a period of time where we did not broadcast for probably about a month. We had some technical issues that we have since worked out, and now we are ready to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. Tonight's program is J.R. Ziegler, who brings you Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We have more programming coming up, brand new shows, I promise you that. But you stay tuned right here on the Soul of America Radio. And thank you for all of the wonderful correspondence through cards, emails, and everything else we received, saying that you want us back. We are back. This is the one and only Soar. And now here's your host, J.R. Stiglitz. about domestic violence and that journey to that journey to healing and wholeness. And this show is designed with you in mind because we must stand up and do some things about domestic violence. You 
are the greatest resource. You are the greatest resource because you know, you know the victim, you know the, uh, you may even know the perpetrator. But you, if they have shared with you, that means that you are a trusted individual, and what you do next is so very valuable. We have two callers on the line, and I know there is a question there. So callers, as you're there, let me just say, if you are listening by uh, internet, uh, radio, and you like to uh, have a question, just call in at three two three. That's area code three two three seven eight four nine six. And hit the number one on your keypad, and that'll let our engineers know that you have a question or a comment, and we will get right to you. But right now, a caller, uh, number ended in 7300. Good evening, and welcome to Hope and Healing. Good evening. Good evening. Um, my question is I have a friend. She's a woman of God, and so is his new guy that she's dating. And she has this thing that she has to do with him now, like verify that he's in church. She's in church, and he calls all of us, and, and or when she's with us, she has to pass the phone to us so that he can verify that she's with church people, and he constantly calls, constantly texts. And I want to know how, because I brought it to her attention that he seems controlling and abusive, and I want to know how can we help her, since this is a very new relationship, see the signs that we're seeing. Well, that's a real good question, and first of all, let me thank you because, the fact, it takes people like yourself to be able to stand up, and the fact that you guys recognize it. One of the things I would suggest is this, is there's a very new relationship, and I don't know how much you know about her history, but how's her own confidence in, in terms of her, her own self-confidence? Because in many cases, uh, one of the reasons why uh, victims don't identify that they're in an abusive relationship because in many ways, they may take their attention, all that attention as being, meaning that they are loved, as that person really is into them because of the fact they, they're calling all the time, they're checking in on them, they want them to be there. But my answer to you is this, is this. Number one, I think you're doing the right thing. You've got to have that conversation with her and says, you know, does he tell you why is it that he needs to verify where you are? Because the first sign, that sounds like he has trust issues. And if he has trust issues, those trust issues are something he has to deal with, number one. Secondly, I think the thing that you have to let her know that this is not normal. That, first of all, and the fact that you say they both are people of God, let's deal with the whole issue. What about trusting the God in me? <laughs> what about trusting the God in me? I'm at, I'm at the service, and why is there a need to check in on me? I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to word study. I'm going to prayer meeting. I'm going to the women's fellowship. I'm going to those things there. Why isn't her word good enough? And I think those are the questions she has to ask herself. And you have to encourage her along those lines to say, look, you know, this isn't normal. And I'm concerned for you because these are signs of abusive and controlling behavior. And I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, as far as you know, there haven't been any hitting, there have not been any physical abuse, but we often tell people long before the perpetrator ever beats the victim down, you know, uh, beats them up, they beat them down with words and they control them and those type of things. So I would say to you is have that conversation, and definitely if she's uh, if she's entrusted you and sound like there are a group of other ladies that are there at the church that, that you all are passing the phone you know, to each other to verify to him that she's there, perhaps that group needs to have that talk with her together and just say, we're concerned. We're concerned about you. 
you know, ask her how does she feel when he does that. And I I think that there, you know, you will at least get her attention that these are the things that you see because that is is one of those warning signs of abuse, the fact that here's this person controlling you. And I'm glad you brought that up, caller, because – this this isn't a this is an adult woman, right? Yes. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought and it up. She because has kids, and he he calls her like seven year old daughter on a cell phone, and uh-huh. have a seven year old daughter call her and not tell the mom that he's on the other line listening. And this is not his child, and the relationship is only like three months old. Well, I'm going to say this, and I and I and I hope that you can convey it to her and things, and, and hopefully, you know, another thing you can do, hopefully, get her to listen to the show uh, where we're covering these things. And sometimes, what happens when people hear other people talking about things that literally fits their situation? Oftentimes, the light bulb does go off because the norm may seem norm, but definitely, we're talking about a relationship that's less than three months old, and we're already talking about. What I see is controlling. I see manipulation, manipulate a child. Uh, I'm spying on you. I'm checking on you. So there is definitely a sense of distrust that is there. There's a sense of insecurity that is there on the part of the perpetrator. And so those things alone are not good signs, period. It's not a healthy relationship, uh, whether it's become abusive, abusive physically or mentally. It's not a healthy one. So I would convey to her your concern for her. And, and let her know this is not normal. Love, and when we talk about relationship, has to be built upon trust. And the fact of the matter that if he doesn't trust her, he, 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 she's demonstrating that because he's willing to go down the road to keep an eye on her, to check on her. And uh, definitely that's not a healthy relationship. Okay? We'd love to hear back from you and update on that. But uh, not only just pray for her. Have that conversation with her. Have that conversation with her. And just let her know that you guys are concerned. You are concerned about her. And let her know. Just point it right out. That is not that's not that's not a loving relationship. That is that is control. That is manipulation. That that is. And it will only get worse. It will only get worse because at this point in time, here's a person who has no history with her but are willing to put those type of demands on her. It's not safe. Thank you so very much for uh, for uh, calling and sharing that with us because it is so important that victims are people, and she may not even see herself as a victim right now, and we may define victim many different ways, but definitely she's in a situation that's not healthy. And I thank God that she has someone like you that is around her that, that are uh, at this point you're a set of eyes for her to, to see what's happening. Please take that time to reach out to her. Thank you. I would love to hear back from you real soon. Right, thank you. Thank you. We have another caller who's also on the air uh, today. Uh, caller number ending in 4130. Caller number ending in 4130. Good afternoon. Thank you for listening to Hope and Healing. Yes, hello. Yes. I like to share with the women all over the United States what my abusive husband did to me back in June because it could happen to them. Go right ahead. He called the police and told the police I had beat him up. Police came out, didn't see any physical signs of him being beaten, but because he was a double apathy, he believed him over me. 
Okay. The police gave me an ultimatum. I'm going to bake an IQ to the mental health center, or you got to go to jail. Now, what type of ultimatum was that? They're going to bake or act you to the mental health center, or you got well, to go to jail? I, if, I don't, if I refuse to go, I, I had to go to jail. He was going to take me to jail. Let, let me ask you this. Okay, you're, 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 you're contending that the fact that your husband, who was a double amputee, yes. he picked up the phone, he called the police and said that you had abused him. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? What what is that is that is that a normal behavior or is that something he threatened you with at times that when he wants his way that he'll call the police on you and, and Oh yeah, he, he 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 I never call the police on him. He has called him out he he has called them here well, probably five or six times when he can't get his way, when he can't control me. Okay. And, you know, they actually came here once when he threatened me with the gun, with his gun. Uh-huh. I took the gun and I moved it out of his briefcase and hid it. And they came out, it's two police officers, and they asked me where the gun was. And I, and I showed it to them. They told me not to touch it. They took the gun out of the house, and he cannot get a he can't he can't ever get a gun legally in this county anymore. That's okay. on record. That's on record. That's now, on so record. He he's not able to he's not able to legally have a gun in the house anymore. But I want to go back to the point because I think your point was the fact if I'm hearing you right and I hope the callers are uh the those that are listening are hearing this, that you're saying that basically you have a husband who's a double amputee. Yes. But he uses the threat of calling the police on you in order to manipulate you to do things in order when he can't yes. get his way. Am I hearing you correct? Yes. And so, therefore, in, inside of doing that, it puts you in a very, uh, well, it it, uh, it definitely puts you in a compromising situation because if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're basically saying is that when the police got there in this particular incident, they looked at the fact and they said, "Look, I don't see any physical abuse. I don't see those type things there." But they had empathy, empathy for him because he was a double amputee. Yes, he was a double amputee. And so, therefore, they they uh, took you. Uh, they they took me into the mental health center locally. Wow. Now, they what was the ultimatum? Either or. If I didn't go, he was going to take me to jail. So, if you didn't go, he was going to take you to jail. May I actually, what was the end result of that? I mean, did you, were you able to, I mean, did you talk to the a police chief, the supervisor, any of those individuals there? Because there is a process. There's a process that is supposed to be followed, uh, number one, to uh, to be able to identify what we call the primary aggressor. Who was the primary aggressor? Who initiated this? Where well, did I, didn't talk, I didn't talk to, I, I called the mayor's office and, um, I really didn't. I wanted to meet with her. I uh-huh. really wanted to meet with her and let her make her aware that her police officers are not trained in domestic uh, domestic abuse. They don't okay. know the signs. Okay, and that's kind of what I'm talking about now because I do know, and you're calling from the state of Florida, that's correct? Yes. 
Okay, and I do know that in many different municipalities, they do have training, and training is provided to police officers for that reason, so they can not only know the signs, but they could also be able to differentiate what we call, uh, you know, uh, being able to identify the primary aggressor. And then many of you that may be listening today, we're call, uh, I want to give you the national hotline number, and that's regardless of where you are in this country, the national hotline number four, Domestic violence and domestic violence, uh, domestic abuse is 1 800 799 7233. That's 1 800 799 SAFE. And that's the number that is 24 hours a day and when you're in trouble. Let me ask you this, uh, caller, uh, before we go to someone on the other line is this, have that incident happen again? And, and are, I mean, have, you know, what has happened since that time? Have you had the issue of, uh, being manipulated in this way or, or, have and not that particular incident because they know they lied. Uh-huh. They know they lied. And what I don't understand is I've been in a shelter, the domestic abuse shelter. Okay. It's on record. It's in the computer. Okay. What I don't understand, they could have checked in the computer to see that. I right. had counseling, you know, because, you know, well, the counseling wasn't very good, but I had counseling at the courthouse. That's on record. Okay. But it wasn't very good counseling. Now, when you say it wasn't very good counseling, what do you mean about that? When you say it wasn't very good All counseling. All they did was they had me share, but it was no hope. I had no hope after that, and I couldn't move towards healing. Okay. So you had no hope after that. You couldn't move toward healing. What would you have desired right. to have happened? What would you have desired to have happened? I ask that question because of the fact I think there are many victims that may find themselves in that exact same position, that after I've told my story, where do I go from there? You know, where do I begin to find, number one, safety? Where do I begin to find peace of mind? Where do I begin to find a place now where uh, not only uh, – where I have hope, but I begin to heal from this. What would you have liked to have had from your counseling? Well, you know, they tell you to leave, but what if there's nowhere to go, and what if you re- you don't have income? So now you're, you, what you're addressing now is the, is the economic and the financial barriers that happen as a result of that. And uh, you talked about having done some time at a shelter. Uh, you was recommended to a shelter. You did say that you did some time. No, I, I, no, I wasn't recommended. I left and went to a shelter on my own. Okay, good, good. So you were able to find uh, help at a shelter for a period of time. Well, you know, they don't really help you. Well, I had to leave the shelter when he when he came to the front desk looking for me. So your abuser me I had fa- to leave. So your abuser found he found out where me. the shelter was? Well everybody knows where it was. It was just one in in, in the area. So every, all the men know. Wow. It's not a secret. So the when issue- he came to the front desk asking for me, I had to leave and didn't have anywhere to go. And the shelter did not relocate you? No. I'm sorry to hear that because normally there is a process in place to be able to relocate, to be able to relocate a victim to safety. Now, the only problem that happens is if if a victim discloses to their perpetrator somewhere the location of the shelter, because that's normally one question. The shelter is normally in a confidential location. 
But the great thing now uh, that you are at a place of stability, you're a place of safety at this time? No. I'm still at home. Say that again. I'm still home. I have no finances and nowhere to go. Okay. And have you have you accessed uh, places like victim services in your particular county? No, but one thing I did do, you know, since I have disabilities, I've applied for Social Security disability so I can have an income. Yeah, so that, I can makes, that makes a big difference there. And I really appreciate you sharing your story. And those of you that are listening and you hear this call on the line, here are some of the barriers that oftentimes happen with victims of domestic violence. It's not a matter of sometimes leaving. It's not as simple as it sounds because of the fact that the individual uh, may not have finances. The individual feels trapped. They have no way out. And so when you say, what can I do about domestic violence? Well, you know what? You can have support to cause. You can support, uh, you can support agencies. You can support organizations that are serving victims of domestic violence. And uh, I really appreciate that story, a caller. I do pray and trust that you will reach back out to victim services in your area and that they will be able to assist you in your time of need. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight on the Soul of America Radio. That's uh, the soulofamericaradio.com, and we're reaching out to those of you today, and we're talking about how can you, what can you do about domestic violence? What is the part you can play what is something that you may see that is so missing in our society or missing in our community that would be able to help a victim of domestic violence? Or, or what is there that have helped you? So let's be fair on both sides of that. I'm going to go right to the break. On the other side of the break, I want to take your calls. If you want to uh, have a comment or listen, hit the number one on your keypad after you've dialed area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. You are listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness with J.R. Thicklin, and I will see you on the other side of the break. Been healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin returns after this. Want to get in on the conversation? Call J at 323 784 9638.
3338 is your business. You can also connect with J.R. Dicklin at his Facebook group, which is Domestic Violence. It is your business. Check him out. They may be our brothers. 
but they are individuals whose lives have been rearranged, who have been affected in a tremendous way because of this act of senseless violence, domestic violence, the most predictable violence that that, that is out there. Could you imagine that every 12 seconds in this country, every 12 seconds, a female, namely, is battered in a domestic violence incident. Every six hours, a female dies at the hand of a perpetrator. One in three women will be a victim of domestic violence in her lifetime. It's happening more than we care to even know. But we must raise our voice, lift our voice, and bring about awareness, speak out, and I'm so glad when I have men, other men, to stand up. And that's my challenge for next week uh, for the men. I want you to start contacting men that will stand up and speak out. And right now I know I have a caller on the line who wants to stand up and speak out. And I'm so glad uh, to have you join us. Caller, number in in 433. Thank you for joining us tonight on Hope and Healing. Oh, hey, how you doing, Jay? Yes, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm enjoying the show. And uh, I wanted to back up a little bit, if it's okay, to that caller that called in reference to the lady, the young lady in church. Exactly. Go right in. Um, that was a very important call, Jay. That was very important. That's the message that you preach every Monday at 9 o'clock Eastern. That message is say something, do something, get involved. And I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong, but I would be I wouldn't sleep tonight if I didn't say what I had to say. When 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 a person calls in like that, and I I I could be wrong, I've never met this person, but I detected a bit of a deer in the headlights look when you said say something to her. And I wanted I wanted to say this. I hope this young lady. I hope she's still listening and made that call. Jay Jay said something to you that was very important. And if you're not, if even if she's not listening, I hope everybody else listens. That is a very important step. That call that she made tonight, that asking, are you okay, that observing, that watching is a very important step. You are not a nosy person. You are not in somebody's uh, Kool-Aid not knowing the flavor. You are not in somebody's business, as we like to say. This is very important. And I wanted to give three things to her in addition to what you said, which was very, very, very good, number one, I would say go with your gut. Go with your gut. Don't let your mind talk you out of it. Go with your gut. Better to be, better to error on the side of judgment, in my opinion, and than you're to exactly not right. say nothing at all. You, number you, two, mm-hmm. I would observe her. I would observe her. Even if she says I'm fine, well, it's nothing wrong with just noticing her. And what I mean by that is her behavior, any marks, any bruises, any makeup that looks out of place, uh, that it could be covering something. You never know, but you won't know if you don't take the initiative. Number three, don't be afraid to go to the pastor of that church and say, hey, pastor, I've got something I want to talk to you about. I think this is going on. I think that I want you to observe, Sister So-and-so, please don't. Be afraid to involve the church. The pastor would be a wonderful person if, if, 
even if she says nothing's wrong, but you sense something and you see things and you're giving these signals out, he's giving these signals out, I wouldn't hesitate. This is just me personally speaking to bring this to the attention of the pastor because maybe the pastor has a way of getting with her or one of the deacons or or or, or whatever and maybe the pastor can get things her to, her to bring up things or say things that she won't to another worshiper. So I, I just wanted to give those three things out and say that that was a big step, and I don't know how she's feeling. It sounded like she had the deer in the headlights. Look, sweetheart, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't think you're in somebody's business. You've got to get it. Jay, Jay has a Facebook page says domestic violence. It is your business. And to me, that was just a saying until I heard this call. It's your business. Absolutely. Business. It, 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 you hit it right on the head. It is their business, and that's what every person has to understand. The fact that you are observant and that you notice these things, it really, it just shows you that you're positioned in the right place at the right time. One of the things that we said also earlier was the fact that if you have a person who's a victim of violence, who have confided in you, who have come to you, who have even indicated to you. I mean, sometimes victims can be shamed and people don't want to just come out and say it. They don't even identify themselves and say, well, you know, I'm being abused. But they will describe what's happening to them. Now, it is now falling on your ears. You know, we, you know, it's funny. Uh, there, there's a scripture that we often quote. which says, faith cometh by hearing. Okay, and hearing by the word of God. But I, I like to deal with that first part about about hearing. Anytime we hear, watch this, hearing does two things. It increases our responsibility and it minimizes our excuses. It increases, now that I know, I've heard, I have a responsibility. I mean, and, 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 and the responsibility may be to pray, and that's good. That's a good place to start. But also that responsibility is to not only observe, but if you have opened the door to me, I need to reach back out to you. And I need to let you know that you don't deserve this. I need to let you know that I'm concerned about you. I need to let you know that I'm afraid for your life or your well-being. I need to let you know that you deserve better. I need to. But the one thing I don't need to do is remain silent and act like it's not hap- like it's not occurring because it doesn't help the victim at all. And I don't know, and the callers that are listening there, I thank you, Tony, for calling in because one of the things that if you heard her say the preface of that was the fact that this young lady was, quote, unquote, she was a saved young lady in the church, and so was the guy that she was seeing. So mm-hmm. when we add those things Tony, sometimes the dynamics change. Why? Because we want to believe that that other individual is everything that, quote, save and be in the church is prescribed to be. Right. But when things start happening and start occurring, and we're talking about three months, less than a three-month relationship, where the individual now is calling. I mean, first of all, we shouldn't even have the cell phones on in the church. Right. <laughs> but he's calling right. That he's calling her in the church, right? And and verify. Let me speak to Sister So and So. Let me speak to that person. Let me speak there in order to verify that you are where you say that you are. I don't know. And, that, 
I'm trying to find where that part of uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is. I'm trying to find that part of love. I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to, uh, what, I'm trying to find what I, I can't find it, Tony. I can't find where that equals love. I mean, that is a, that's a mistrust from the very beginning. And the reality is, is for the victim, you know, you know, who are they mistrusting? Are they mistrusting you? Or are they mistrusting themselves? And if they, if they and, got and also, this Jay, uh-huh. uh, oh, go ahead. If they have that type of mistrust and this type of unsurety about themselves, then I would dare to say they're they're not in a position, they're not healthy enough to be in a relationship. On the other hand, if they're mistrusting you, and, and you know, they also something else she brought up that uh, it just blew me away. Uh, when she involved, when when this person involves the child, and and this isn't just for this particular uh, situation, and I'm I'm kind of glad she brought it up. I hate that it, it it is what it is, but it's something that I I rarely think about in domestic situations. He he has entrusted her daughter, and and what the caller said was he calls the daughter's phone and allows it to remain open so he can hear the environment. That exactly. right there alarms me because, first of all, he has had to talk to this girl, daughter, alone and say, look, here's what I want you to do. When I call, don't say anything. Just keep the phone open so I can hear. And that right there sends all kind of red flags to me, all in all kind of different directions. And um, that's getting it. Now, now, imagine this child is in the middle of this now. That's her mother. But there's this guy that's been knowing them three months that she has mysteriously entrusted to do this. So that 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 is another way that domestic violence affects people around you. And and if nothing else, for the child's sake, somebody needs to get more involved. And 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 you know, I'm not hosting. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, somebody you, needs you to really get more involved because that that when she said that. That sent up all kind of green, red, blue, purple flags. Because if my child is with me, Jay, and then this child is 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 listening to a person I've known three months to call this child's phone that's seven, and leave it open so they can hear what I'm doing, we've got we've got some things we've got to really discuss, Jay. We we have a lot of things to discuss, and Tony, one of the things that that is so that that is so pertinent about that point is that that is one of the tools of of of, a, of abuser, a perpetrator, when they use the children, when they use the children to help manipulate or to use the children to manipulate the victim of the other party, and this is what he's done. He's using he is causing a seven year old child to become a partaker in his foolishness. Seven-year-old right. child very innocently may not know what's going on. Seven-year-old child uh, automatically has been raised to have respect for adults mm-hmm. in those type of situations. So she doesn't see, as she may not readily recognize the fact of what's going on, that the fact that he would call her and say, don't say nothing, just leave the phone open, is a part of the manipulative tool there. But don't mm-hmm. I think even a deeper situation for me is that what gets me is this. Mm-hmm. What really gets me is this, is the fact that the individual, <laughs> mm-hmm. these are people of, of of God. These are people who say, I love the Lord. Right. And, and we are getting to that point where, 
Boy, it's amazing. We're at that point where literally, and I do mean literally, where we are getting to those levels where we're manipulating, we're controlling, we're doing those type things there. And we have to understand, and this is so important, and we often teach this, that oftentimes a victim will remain in a relationship and might endure a whole lot. But when it comes to the point of their children being pulled in, and oftentimes when the children start experiencing the abuse and things, it makes a big difference, and they're ready. That's when they leave. In the case when the caller earlier talked about the fact that this individual who would then call the children, uh, call the seven-year-old, and and basically uh, get the seven-year-old to hold the phone open so that he can listen to what's going on, not only is that mm-hmm. a sign of totally mistrust, uh, the sign of not trusting, but it's the greatest sign of manipulation because you are manipulating a seven-year-old child in order mm-hmm. to soothe or to satisfy your controlling curiosity. Right. That is the problem. And when those type things happen, when those type things happen, then we have a major issue. And I hope that so many other people that are listening, and by the way, I do need to remind those of you that are listening here, you can always go back. You can always go back and listen to these broadcasts. Not only are they available in podcasts, but you can always go back to uh, com, and you can go to our link, Hope and Healing, and listen back to any of the uh, previous broadcasts or any of the shows that have been there and uh and you could have it there to re-listen to it. And by the way, you could also share that with someone who may not have gotten an opportunity to be on the line tonight. And you can share that with them, and uh, and therefore they can get a chance to listen to it. And that's a great way. To, is there another way they can do that, Tony? Uh, did, I'm sorry, you, I was distracted. What was that again? I was saying a way that they could go back and not only listen to the show, but also oh, yeah. to share that show with someone else that perhaps didn't get a chance to listen. That's one of the oh, things. Yeah. That, the caller earlier, one of the things I said, if they can get them to listen to the show, well, guess what? They can get them to listen, although they wasn't here. You know, right. you, you can live. go to uh, one listen. we don't really talk about, Soul of America, not Soul of America, uh, TonyStallingsLive.com or SoulofAmericaRadio.com. And once you get to the screen where you're actually listening to the show, Jay, there's a there's a link at the bottom that allows them to download the episode once we have terminated the, the, uh, the broadcast. And then they can email it. It's an MP3 form. They can email it to whoever they want to email it to or or send it on Facebook or whatever. And then also if there's a link anywhere on Facebook right now, they can always go to that link and click on it, and it will replay the show. Wherever you saw this link at, go back and re-click it. You can re-listen to this show over again. I don't think I even knew that part there about uh, uh, anywhere on Facebook we can click and relink it. So there you go. Uh, for your friends that are on Facebook, uh, you can post it. One of the things that uh, Tony brought up earlier is that we do have a Facebook page there. Uh, it is really an action page. It's called Domestic Violence. It is. It is your business. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, you can go to that page on Facebook and, you know, uh, definitely drive some friends to that page if you even if you don't feel comfortable in talking to the individual yourself drive them to that page there's always interesting things being posted signs and symptoms and ways to get out it's very important and and, and for those of you that are listening we have just a few more minutes on there uh, perhaps you'd like to have a comment or question Erico 323 784 
888-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. If you'd like to make a comment, have a question, hit the number one, and we acknowledge you and get you on the air. But it's so important. It is crucial in this day. It is crucial in this hour that we begin to do the things that are that are necessary in order to help people that may be experiencing domestic violence that have gone through. And part of the things I love in so doing this show is because from time to time, not only do we have tremendous callers, but we have guests that are on, guests that have experienced, who have overcome domestic violence, who have come through it, and they are living example and living proof that you don't have to remain in it, that it's not a, it doesn't have to be. A death sentence. It doesn't have to be a death sentence. So we always thank you for listening there. There are so many things that we'll like to get to you. And, uh, and by all means, if you'd like to reach us there, uh, uh, you can reach us there uh, also by email. That's going to be manofpurpose2000. That's manofpurpose2000 at gmail.com. And, uh, and pretty soon I'll have a different one for this particular show, Hope and Healing, uh, A Journey to Wholeness, and, um, and definitely want to be able to continue to raise that issue there. But if you're listening tonight and uh, you know someone who's in an abusive relationship, perhaps it's the young lady on your job, perhaps it's someone in your church, perhaps it's someone in your neighborhood, your niece, your nephew, your, your cousin, your aunt that is there, one of the greatest things that you can be is present. You could be not only present, yes, you could be a prayer person and pray, and we and we are always pray. But I want to talk about what do we do beyond prayer. And that's why one of the reasons that we continue to give out to you those national hotline numbers and those numbers there that can make a difference with a person that is a victim of domestic violence. So as you listen from across the country there, if you're in an abusive relationship or know someone that is, please reach out, get help, one 800 799 7233. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. That's S-A-F-E. That is how you can reach a national hotline 24 hours a day. And there are so many other resources that are out there, at least uh, for emergency help. We are about advocacy. We are about public education. We are about raising the awareness. We are about making sure that you understand the, the, uh, the practicum of how do we get out of this and how do we bring hope, how do we bring healing. I want you to know if you're listening out there and you're a victim of domestic violence and you're suffering right now and perhaps you're listening and you're suffering silently, you don't deserve it. It is not your fault. There's nothing that you did that caused this. No, it, no, it didn't have anything to do with that. Because, see, when a person is controlling and abusive, you can never do it well enough. You can never be good enough. You can never have hair that's long enough or shorter enough. You can never weigh less enough because the issue is not necessarily with you. It is with the individual who finds a need to control you, who finds the need to abuse, who finds the need to try to destroy who you are. But I want to speak life to you today, and I wanted you to know that you are fearfully and they're wonderfully made and marvelous of the works of, of, of the Lord's hand in your life. I want to speak life to you today to let you know that you do deserve better and that there are people out here that do care, and we're trying to get people to move their care from just a feeling to an action. And that's what I'm saying to each and every one of you that are listening to me. We're moving our feelings from just a care to an action. What can you do to help raise awareness in your community? We are on the stuff. We're on the rise. We're doing work throughout the communities, throughout the cities, throughout the country in addressing domestic violence. Those of you that are listening to me now, 
and particularly you that may be located in the South Florida area, I want to invite you on this on this particular uh, this particular Saturday. That's March second, I believe it is. This particular Saturday at nine o'clock, I'm going to be down in the Fort Lauderdale area there at Mount Bethel. That's Mount Bethel Church. There they call it the Mount. At 9 o'clock, we will be part there. I'll be the keynote speaker there inside of a town hall meeting addressing domestic violence. You don't have to remain the way you are. You can do better. You can come out of it. And I'm so glad to always have those of you that are standing up. I have a caller on the line, so very glad to have you with us. Call a number, uh, and again, 3987. Good evening, and welcome to Hope and Healing. So glad to have you on the line. You're on the line, caller. Caller, you're on the line. Five four one. All right. I think the caller may have hit the uh, number one by mistake uh, there inside of it. But if you'd like to get on the air, you have a a question or a comment, uh, you can uh, hit us at area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. If you have a comment or a question, uh, you can hit the number one, and we'll be so glad to get you back on the airway. So that's, uh, i like to have you, if you'd like to have a question or comment, please do so. I want to say this to you. We often talk about domestic violence and its impact and those things that occur. But on the other hand, I want to say this to you that is so critically important. We can be a lifeline. We can be a lifeline to so many. What about children? Children who are witnessing domestic violence, Children that are experiencing domestic violence, they're being exposed to it. They're hearing not only the yelling, the screaming. They're oftentimes caught in the crossfire of this. Here children that oftentimes are so innocent and they're impacted so greatly. Here in the state of Florida, tomorrow for 10th graders and for a number of kids, not only just 10th graders, they're going to be taking FCAT rights. FCAT is a, it's a state standardized test that we have here in the state of Florida. But I don't know how many educators are listening or how many parents that are listening. Could you imagine a child who right now that is living in an abusive home, whether with their mother or father, mother's boyfriend or father's girlfriend or whoever it may be. But could you imagine here's a child who at this hour probably should be getting their rest, getting ready to take this very important test in the morning, but are awakened or are not able to go to sleep because they're enduring not only the the fussing, the yelling, the screaming, the shouting, the hits, the beatings, all of that drama, and guess what? Five o'clock comes, six o'clock roll around, and it's time to get up and get ready to get to the bus stop to go to school. They got no sleep. They listen to threats and, and, and fighting all night long. They'll show up to school, and perhaps they'll get a good meal, but their mind, what they endured the night before, what they endured is on their mind. And they'll go into a classroom, they'll take a test. And so much of their future will be predicated upon how they did or how they do on this particular test. And what most people will not have an idea or clue is what that child endured tonight, what they endured in the middle of the night, not able to sleep, not able to study, not able to concentrate. 
That is the long, dark arms of domestic violence. When 3.5 to 12 million children per year are impacted by domestic violence. I think I have a caller on the line. Steve, caller, are you there? You had a question or comment. Welcome to Hope and Healing. Caller, are you there? Okay. Uh, some of the callers you're listening, and perhaps you're perhaps you're uh, actually on the computer, but also have the phone up uh, there. If you have something you'd like to say, Eric, go three two three seven eight four nine six three eight, and then you hit the number one. And we'll get you coming in. You will get your question in uh, tonight. We have just about uh, another seven minutes that's on this air. Uh, tonight, uh, but we invite you to always go back to our archive shows. You can re-listen to it again. You can send it to someone there, uh, right there. Go to www.soulofamericaradio.com. Go right over there to Hope and Healing, and uh, you can click the episode, and you're able to not only listen, you're able to also email it. So we really invite you to become a part of that, and you can help spread the word. You can help share, uh, share it there. If you're listening tonight, uh, you're on Facebook or whatever, I invite you to both of our Facebook page, uh, Domestic Violence, It Is Your Business, is our page for domestic violence, as well as Jay Ficklin, J-A-Y-T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N. Uh, invite, I'll accept you as a friend, and we'll continue to uh, lead this march and this crusade uh, to raise awareness not only about domestic violence, but to bring hope and to bring healing to those that are impacted by domestic violence. So those of you that are listening to me right now, this is what I want to say to you. Homework assignment for next week, and I need your help inside of this. And we'll start posting. We'll start uh, definitely advertising for it. Those of you that are listening, I want you to encourage men. I want men, and I want to identify men who will stand up against domestic violence. I want to identify men, whether they're fathers who have had daughters abused or lost daughters to domestic violence or uh, fathers who have, uh, uh, who have, uh, have seen uh, sisters abused or, or if you're a man and you had a, you've had a sister, you've had a niece uh, that's been in an abusive relationship or even a nephew as far as that goes in an abusive relationship, I want to reach out to men who is saying, who will stand with me and say enough is enough and that we need to do some things to address the issue of domestic violence. Those are the ones that I'm reaching out to. Those are the ones that I need uh, to stand up as we galvanize this army uh, to stand up and to come against the very, the, the very perils of domestic violence tonight. So we're so glad. We're so glad tonight that you're on the air and that you help lead that charge. So if you would do that, it would be very greatly appreciated. Listen, we're going to go into our last break just before we go off the air tonight. But area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. If you have a question or comment, hit the number one on your keypad. We'll be so very glad to get back with you. This is J.R. Thicklin. I'll be with you right after the break. You're listening to Open Healing. You're in Healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. 
You're listening to the Soul of America Radio, LLC. This is the one and only Soar. violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody you can call the National Hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thickler right now at 1-323-784-9638. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Thicklin. to do me a great favor. 
not only just pray for them, reach out to them. What is it that you can do? I look forward to it. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, email address manofpurpose2000 at gmail.com. I'd like to not only hear from you, but I'd like you to join us next week, same time, same station, right here on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. And until that time, this is J.R. Thicklin, and I thank you for joining us. I'll see you on next week. Be blessed. Lift up your voice. Stand. Until that time, this is J.R. Thicklin. Thank you for joining us here on Soul of America Radio. Good night.